Starting a new series today called Hot Topics. Uh, what we did is back at Easter, if you were here, you'll remember that we did a survey. We do an Easter survey every year, and we ask you, what would you like to hear taught? And what would you like to hear us cover from a scriptural perspective? And so we got our top four topics, and we're going to be teaching those this month. So that's where we get our Hot Topic series idea from. And the number one thing that people want, that you wanted to hear about, is the topic of family. Family. So knowing that that's a bit of a broad uh, topic, because you could go a lot of different directions there, right? You could talk about marriage. Well, we covered that thoroughly back in February. We did our XO series. So if you need some marriage insights, go back and look to the archive on our website, listen to that series. Um, so we, we said that my wife actually helped me with this. She said there's really three major categories when we talk about family. There's me, there's we, and then there's us, me, we, and us. So me, if I'm healthy, how many of my family is going to be healthy or at least healthier? So how do I get healthy? So we, I thought, well, we could talk about that, but we're going to actually, this fall, we're launching our new Freedom Small Group. So if you need to get healthy, and you do, Amen. I encourage you to join one of our Freedom Small Groups. They're amazing. How many know that we're all uniquely screwed up in our own special way? Amen? Amen? If you're sitting next to somebody who's... No, no, never mind. Don't, I'll do that. But, but we all freedom comes in layers. And so I thought, well, we're going to cover that through our, our freedom small groups. So I'm not going to talk today about, well, why is my family uh, crazy? And how do I get over it? So I guess indirectly we'll talk about that. So that's the, the, the me part. The we is the married part. The, the, spouse, the, the, the second most important relationship in your life outside of Jesus is with your spouse. So you got to invest there. Could have got a better amen there. That's all right. And then number three, um, number three is, so there's me, there's we, then there's us. And that's you and your kids or your grandkids, you know, your extended family. So we're going to talk about that part of it today. Uh, when I was in Bible college, one of my professors said, if you ever want to calm a crowd down, if you ever want to make them quiet, either talk about money or their kids. So we're going to talk about parenting today. And I've got two titles to my message. The first title is... The purpose of parenting. And the second title is, and I couldn't decide which one, so I just gave it two titles. I didn't think there was anything in the rule book against that. So I'm not going to charge you extra for two titles today. The second one's absolutely free. So, so it's the purpose of parenting. And then the second title is parenting on purpose. How many of kids don't turn out well by accident? Left to their own devices, um, they're not well-behaved. <laughs> okay, so if there's an area of your life that's where there's not peace, then there's disorder in that area of your life. So we're going to talk about the five major purposes of parenting and how we can parent on purpose. We're going to be five major things to talk about today. And the number one thing is parents, we are the image bearers of God to our children image bearers. It says this in Genesis chapter 1, God said in verse 26, 27, 28, he said, let us make man in our image. And this is our side thought, is that Christianity is the only religion that teaches that we're made in the image of God. Now, some religions teaches that you are a God or that you can evolve into a God and you have like your own universe and weird stuff like that. But that, that's not what we're talking about. You are like God. You are not him. 
uh, but you are like him because you're made his image. He, who's your daddy? God. He's my, he's my heavenly father, right? So we are his image bearers. Now, here's something that's interesting. It was after God made them in his, Adam and Eve made them in his image. That's when he released them to become parents. So it wasn't until they bore his image, then he empowered and released them to become parents. Now, our kids and our grandkids, they have videotape constantly rolling. Have you noticed that? They learn everything. They watch, they listen, they're recording. They might not realize that they're doing it, but they're watching what we do, how we respond, how we act, what we say. You ever heard your kid repeat something you said? And you're like, don't talk like that. Where did you learn how to talk like that? Like that one little kid that was, his dad was driving him to school one day, and he said, because uh, his, his mom had a prior engagement, but she usually drove him to school, and they've got about halfway to school. He said, Mom, where's all the idiots today? <laughs> Have you ever caught yourself like standing in a certain way, and you thought, oh my God, I feel like my dad? I do it when I walk. Sometimes when I'm walking, I'm like, okay, this feels really strange because I feel like my dad. Or ladies, you ever found yourself in the kitchen? You're like, I feel, you feel like your mom. You know, you're standing in that certain way or saying something. You thought, oh, my God, I heard my mom say that. And I said, I'd never say that. And here I am. <laughs> Have you ever treated or mistreated your kids in a way that you swore? I'll never treat my kids. I'll never do that to my kids. Well, you had your videotape going, and so you just recorded that, and then, you know, you, you, that's what you do to your kids. And it's interesting that you would think that children that were abused would be the last ones to abuse their kids, but they're usually the first because that's the tape that they recorded. So uh, we want to talk about how to change the tape today. Aren't you glad that Jesus can take out, make old, old things pass away, all things are become new? So we're the image bearers of God. And if you have had a wrong image or been conveying a wrong image to your kids, you can change. Or if you didn't have the most uh, healthy parents, then you can change your family tree. You can be that one that they look back to and go, thank God for that godly man or that godly woman in my family. You can be that person, right? Okay, so um, uh, we revert back to the behavior that we have on tape because it was imparted to us. Things are caught more than they're taught. So I want to commend you because just the fact that you're in church you are imparting something to your kids. My parents weren't perfect, but the best thing that they ever did for me, and they did a lot of great stuff for me, but the best thing they ever did to me is they took me to church at a young age. And they didn't just drop me off. They came too. We were at the outreach, and this lady said to Ashley Weinecker uh, at our outreach last week, this lady said, I'm going I'm to bring my kids to, to your church. And she said, well, don't just bring them. You come too. And he's like, oh, well, uh, I probably need to. And I said, you do need to. <laughs> so don't just bring your, drop your kids off. You come with them. Of course, I preached to the choir. You're here. So the second thing, after being the image bearers, we're, we are the doorkeepers. We're the doorkeepers. Parents are doorkeepers. Genesis 2.15, God gave Adam a job, and that was to tend or to keep the garden. How many know that we are redeemed from the curse of the law, but employment is not a part of the curse? <laughs> so before the curse, Adam had a job. And so gainful employment is a good thing. 
Thank you for your enthusiasm. But God gave Adam a job, and that job was to keep the garden. Let me tell you what keep means. It means to hedge out, to guard, to protect, to be aware. And you should be aware of what's happening in your home. Uh, to observe. Just be watchful. Now, we haven't been perfect at this, but we've done okay. We, we've had, we have room for improvement. We've made some recent uh, improvements. But, but we're to be watchmen and watchwomen in our homes. You should just watch what goes on in your house. We saw some things one time that we should have been concerned about, but we just thought, ah, you know, but, but we should have dug a little deeper. And, you know, we all learn as we go, right? So if you're seeing something, if you see something, say something. Or don't just let it go. You've got to be a watchful because we're the doorkeepers of our homes. Genesis 4, 7 tells us about how that God was talking to Cain and he said, hey man, be careful. Sin is crouching at your door and it wants to have you. I mean, sin's crouching at all of our doors. So that's why we have to be the doorkeepers of our, <clears throat> excuse me, of our homes. <clears throat> excuse me. I've got a old frog in my throat there. Need to quit smoking. Proverbs 4, 20, I'm just kidding, I don't smoke. Proverbs 4, 23 tells us that we are to keep or guard our heart with all diligence. What does that mean? It means to protect it, to maintain it, to obey it. We should obey our hearts. Again, to be a watchman. There's nothing in your home. You're, I'm going I'm I'm to throw something out there. So if you, hopefully you have on your spiritual steel-toed shoes right now. And if you don't, it's okay. You'll heal. There's nothing in your home that you didn't allow there. That's why I'll be calling this hot topics. A little spicy. Get my Tabasco bottle. Put it right there. Everything has a spiritual connotation to it. The movies we watch... The video games we play, the toys that we allow, the books that we read, and especially the friends that we let in. So if you want to change your life, change your friends. If you want to ruin your life, pick the wrong friends. You go to prison and say, how did you get here? There's usually one of two things that they say. They say, well, I had these friends. Or they'll say something about their, their dad not being there or one of their parents saying, I'll tell you where you're going to end up, kid, and you're going to end up in jail, and they live a self-fulfilling prophecy. So, uh, but these things have a spiritual connotation, so we should have a filter on our door what we allow into our homes. Everything we as parents allow in our homes affects our children. It affects our grandchildren too. Sin is still crouching at the door because the devil hates you. He wants to destroy us. And so we have to be the watchmen on the wall. We have to be the doorkeepers of our home. Can't get one amen for somebody. All right? Because what we're doing as we move through life, it's like a boat moving through the water. It's creating a wake. And so if you get in that wake, it's hard to get out of that wake. So we, as parents, are creating a wake for our children and for our grandchildren. And if it's a bad wake, it's, oh, it's hard to get out of. We, we went on family vacation back in May. Uh, we spent a few days on Lake Lanier up in North Georgia. And we went wakeboarding one day. 
and I have two boys. They're both athletic. And uh, our oldest, he's that kid who you just tell him how to do something and he does it. Like athletic, he's just, I mean, they're both great athletes, but, but for whatever reason, uh, Gavin, you must get it after your dad, your, his grandfather. He can just do anything. He thinks he can do anything. Well, how do you ski? Well, you get in the water, you put your tips up, you hold them to the rope, it's going to jerk you up out of the water. You're probably going to fall the first few times. But you'll, so he's a, well, how, just tell me how to do it. He's like, it's the first time ever on skis, he gets up and he's skiing. We're like, eh, jerk. The rest of us, you know, it takes us 15, 20 minutes. Finally. So then we went wakeboarding. He's like, well, how do you wakeboard? Well, this is how you do it. It's harder to skin now, you know. And so you guys, a lot more, you got to burrow a lot harder. Just tell me how to do it. So he gets out there, and the first time, he, he's up, and we're like, mm, punk. <laughs> and well, how, he, then he wants to know, well, how do you jump the wake? Well, that's kind of an, that's an accelerated move. I mean, it takes a lot of, just tell me how to do it. Well, you got to do this. And this guy's in the boat telling him, and he's like, that took me, you know, months before. And like, okay. And Gavin gets out there, and he's whoo, jumping the wake. And we're like, he just did that. And, and every time he gets a little more, you saw him jumping up here. Worse than he does that on the water. Boom. I mean, he's, he's, just, he's just a bouncy guy, you know. And so he's like Tigger. And so and he's, and we're like, and the rest of us in the boat, we're like, eh, I hate that guy. <laughs> we don't, but, it's, you know, he's just so dang good at stuff. But when we move through life, we're creating this wake for our kids. And, it, and it's hard to jump out of that. But, but we can be, we can make a new wake. We can be wake breakers. Now, now, if you had a dysfunctional family, and most of us did, I mean, you got to let the Holy Spirit help you break the wake, jump out of that wake, and so that you can start making a new wake for your family and for your kids and for your grandkids and for your great kids, right? So your family is the garden that you and I are to keep. We're to guard it. So your household is, uh, so you're a gardener basically. And that's, that's what your family is. And so as parents, part of what we do is that we, if you know it, sing it with me. Shut the door, keep out the devil. Shut the door, keep the devil in the night. Shut the door, keep... Okay, you don't know it. All right. But anyway, so we're supposed to shut the door, keep the devil out, right? All right. Number three, we are the forerunners. That is not a vehicle by Toyota. That means that we are one that precedes. We are predecessors. We are going before our family, and we're creating a legacy, something that's handed down from ancestor to ancestor, predecessor, or from someone from the past. You're handing that down. So uh, there, one day there will be a generation that talks about you and talks about me. But what are they going to say? You're someone's future lineage. Interesting, isn't it? So how will they remember you? And you're building a legacy that will last for generations. So, so what's the heritage that you're leaving to, for your kids and for your, for your grandkids? I have uh, my great-grandfather. Um, his name is Man Cooley. M-A-N-N. Man. And so when my boys get with my dad, their grandfather, they're like, tell us some stories about our great-grandfather. And I, I would tell you some of those stories, but they're not appropriate for church. <clears throat> so there's a heritage there, but it's not necessarily a good one. You know what I'm saying, all right? You got that guy in your family. So I'll just give you one example I can share. So Man Cooley, he was about 5'6", five, 5'7", five, you know, 165 pounds. Does that look familiar? 
And when the circuit court judge came around, because the judge used to travel, you know, in those, in those days, and this was Wayne County, Mississippi, not too far from here. And the, 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 he, they would hire Man Cooley to be the bailiff. That means if anybody got out of hand, he would handle them. And it didn't matter how big you were or how many of you there were, he handled you quite well. That's why he got the job. So can't tell any more stories, but they're very interesting. He's a very interesting guy. So, but there was a wake that was created. And so his sons were in that wake and his grandsons were in that wake. And so as a great grandson, I, I was able to break the wake and jump out of that wake and start creating a new wake for, for my family and for my sons. But I can point back to my American Indian Pentecostal grandmother that was praying the hell out of me. Thank God. So Jesus, please save that kid. Please save any of my kids. Please save some of my grandkids. Just, just give me one. Just give me one preacher in the family. So I don't have a long line. I don't come from a long line of preachers. I come from a long line of bad wake. Bad wake, yeah. Well, I don't know what's in your family tree, but we got some fruits and nuts in ours. But, but you can change your way. You can change your family tree. And I want you to be like my grandmother. I can point back to her. She was in her 80s because she's Pentecostal. She, her hair was all the way down to the back of her knees. Didn't have one gray hair on her head because of her American Indian. She's a Crow Indian. And when she, I used to go stay with my grandparents in the summers. And... No matter how late it was, she'd come in there and she'd say, Kevin Wayne, you get down on your knees, we're going to pray. Well, every night we pray. We read the Bible and we prayed. And when she prayed, the whole house shook. And she'd call people's names out and intercede for them that they'd be born again. She'd pray in her prayer language that she had. She was a fiery, just sweet but fiery woman of God. Knew Jesus. Don't ask her to say the blessing if you're hungry. She's going to pray with heaven down. You know what I'm saying? And, but every, and everybody else, you know, they're just ungodly, wild. She's, down, she's there praying and people getting convicted, you know. And, but, 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 but now my uncles are coming to Christ in their later years. And we can all point back. To, we call we, cousins. We all called her Grandma Squall, but never to her face, because we loved her and respected her. But she's a praying woman. I can point back to her and go, if it wasn't for her praying for me, oh Lord Jesus, I'm glad I'm saved. Might not be here if I if I wasn't. But you can be that person for your kids and for your grandkids and for your great grandkids. One day I want my old man. Ooh, help us, Lord. One day I want my grandkids and great-grandkids, and I want them to look back and say, well, that grandpapa, or whatever they're going to call me, I don't know. He, he was a real deal, man. He, you know, the Bible says, Mary Hart does good like a medicine. No wonder he lived so long. He was just always so happy and, and kind to people, and, and, and that... And that he, he wasn't perfect, but he was real. And he loved God, and he loved people, and he made mistakes, but he did his best, and God helped him. And here's, look at all these journals where he, he documented his relationship with God, his devotions, and the scriptures he read, and what God was speaking to him. And, and that's going to be the greatest thing that I, I leave them one day, is, is that legacy that I walked with God. And you can do the same thing for your family. You can change your family tree, man. Weight breakers. Because we are the image bearers. 
for our family. And we are the doorkeepers and we are the forerunners. The forerunners. You know, David, King David, he was a man after God's own heart. He wasn't perfect, made mistakes, but he loved God and he was a man after God's own heart. Well, as the years and generations went on, some of the kings, they backslid and they weren't walking with God. But one day, in the midst of, of debauchery and sin and lawlessness, this one king rose up named Josiah. And he was related. His great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather was David. The Bible says that he turned, Josiah turned to God with all of his heart like no other king before him or after him ever did. No king ever turned to God with all of his heart like Josiah. And he served the Lord just like his father David. So if it hadn't been for David, there never would have been a coming back. I think Israel is a nation today because of David and his heart after God. There will be a generation one day that serves God because of you. That's good news, isn't it? So, you be that person for your future offspring. Number four, we are the reality equippers. We are the reality equippers for our family. Children are our greatest stewardship. We, we don't own them. How I many know it's not morally right to own another human being? even if they're related to you. But you do steward them from anywhere from 17 to 25 years, right? <laughs> and nowadays it's 17 to 35 years. <laughs> I told my kids the other day, I said, just, just remember, fellas, you can live in my house until you're 28, married, or get a tattoo, whatever comes first. Just remember, it's 28. <laughs> I'm not against tattoos. I'm just harassing my kids. Because when, when my kids were like 12, Dad, I want to get a tattoo. I said, okay. I can, yeah. As soon as you move out and start paying your own bills, you can get a tattoo. And so now, um, my oldest son, Gavin, he's like, well, I'm so glad you didn't let me get a tattoo when I was 12. I'm like, yeah, that Barney tattoo would have sucked. <clears throat> so, like, wait till you get a little wiser, you know, pick something that you're going to be happy with. But now he's like, I don't think I'm, he's like, Elvis didn't have tattoos. I don't think I'm going to get a tattoo. I'm like, I don't like the way you're thinking. I like it. He said, yeah, don't put a bumper sticker on a Cadillac. I'm like, I like that. If I, did, if I wasn't afraid of needles, I'd probably get a tattoo. So it's not like a moral thing with me or, you know, so don't, don't think I'm harassing you if you got tattoos. So if you get one, just get a cool one. <clears throat> I love you. you love me. <laughs> All right, so here's a sobering thought. One day you'll be dead, and your kids won't be. <laughs> so here's the question. When you're gone and they're still here, that's how it's supposed to work anyway, will your kids be okay? Well, if they walk with God, yes, they will be. They will be okay. They'll be better than okay. So even if you came from a whacked out family, you can change your family tree. I don't know about you. Anybody else glad about that fact that you can change your fam family tree? So, but here's what we have. We have to equip our kids for reality because reality is not a soft cradle, is it? It's not flowery beds of ease. Sometimes, like the great philosopher Forrest Gump said, crap happens. We live in a fallen, sin-stained world the greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. 
So how do we prepare our kids for reality? Sometimes, say amen if you've experienced this, life can be hard, but we are overcomers, right? So there's different parts of God's personality that he's put in each of us. There's mercy-motivated people. There's exhorters. There's prophetically-motivated people. But mercy is a beautiful thing. It's how, how they, they're feelers and they connect with other people. It's like, Bill Clinton, you know, I feel your pain. And, and, and so they're powerful, but when you don't mix strength with that mercy, it can, it can cause trouble. So a lot of times we want to be mercy-motivated to our kids. It's okay to be merciful, but you also have to have some strength mixed with it or you do more damage than good. I'll give you an example. This one mom, she saw that her little babies were having a hard time getting the milk out of the bottle. They were having to work too hard. So she, in her mercy, snipped the end of the nipple so that they wouldn't have to work so hard. And because their little mouth muscles were not used and exercised, they grew up with speech impediments and had to go to years of therapy. So how many know that we have to prepare our children, what's the old saying, Pastor Adrian? We don't prepare, we don't prepare the road for our kids. We prepare our kids for the road of life. Because you never know what's coming down the road, right? But we can know that with God we can overcome. So here's my point is that is that the tongue that comes out of Jesus' mouth, the Bible says, is a sharp two-edged sword. One side is mercy, but the other side is justice and truth. And the point is holiness. And so we have to be that way with our kids. We have to speak the truth, but do it in love. Say, all right, Pastor Kevin, how do I apply this to my life? I'm glad you asked. When our kids were little and we'd go into a store, I would say to my kids, now you stay right here with me and don't touch anything. Right? How I many some kids can dismantle a store? <laughs> now our kids weren't perfect, but but they were they were well behaved. But they weren't well behaved by accident. They weren't well behaved just because they were great kids. Um, it was, there was some tensionality to that. So now they they also learned when they did wander off, or they did touch and break something. There were consequences, right? Like one of my kids recently got his first speeding ticket. I know, it was tough. And he's like, Dad, what am I going to do? I said, you're going to cough up $197. $197? Where am I going to get that? Well, well I'm just not going to pay it. I said, well, that's, a, that's an option. But let me tell you what's going to happen. They'll put a warrant out for your arrest. But don't worry, your mom and I will come visit you in jail. <laughs> you're going to let me get, no, I'm not going to let you get arrested. If you don't pay your ticket, you're going to get arrested. That's how it works. There's consequences. Where am I going to $197? You're a smart kid. Figure it out. And he did. So why didn't you just pay it for him? Because I wasn't speeding. Like I tell my kids in the fifth grade, dude, I already did my fifth grade homework. You're not going to help your kids with your homework? I'll help them a little bit, but I ain't. some parents will just say, no, give me that, and I'll just do their homework. That's cheating. All right. So what did reality is that if you wander off in the store or if you touch and break something and I told you not to that reality is that a little swat on your behind won't hurt near as bad as being gunned down by police or spending 30 years in jail I remember it's hot topics 
Now, do you saying I should spank my kids? Only if you love them. The Bible says, let me quote a Bible verse to you. It says, if you hate your child, don't spank him. <laughs> well, I don't believe in spanking. Okay. You don't have to. Now, there is, there, I, there, I'm not talking about abusing your kids because God doesn't abuse us. And, and you should never draw blood, break the skin, I mean, verbally abuse. Uh, In the Hebrews, when God taught them how to discipline their children, God said, go get a reed. It's called a rod. It wasn't like a curtain rod. (laughs) It was a reed. They picked it, and if they hit their kids with it too hard, it would crumble and break. But if they hit them just right, it it would get their attention. Okay? My dad used to say, boy, do we need to have a board meeting? And I knew what that meant, is his board meeting my behind. And so there's a right way and a wrong way to spank. I think we can agree on that. And you don't have to spank a lot. Some kids you might have to spank a lot. One of ours got a whole lot more spankings than the other one. <laughs> but anyway, they both turned out pretty good so far. And my, my wife has a message. Maybe we'll let her come teach it sometime or do a small group on it. It's called the Designated Hitter. So there's a right and wrong way to to do that. So the Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child. I'll give you an example. When I was uh, in youth ministry, uh, there was this kid, a teenage boy, and every time he got in trouble, which at that time was frequent, his parents would bail him out. Sometimes literally, they would um, protect and shield him from the consequences of his actions. Oh, they would never let him face the music. And in his, uh, as far as I know, I lost track of him in his 30s, but all the way up to his, into his 30s, he struggled with addiction, couldn't hold down a job. He was a highly dysfunctional individual because his parents would not equip him to face reality. And so they were trying to love him, but they were really hating him hurting him. In their effort to help him, they were hurting him. There's a productive way and a non-productive way to help somebody, right? To help them does not mean you enable their bad behavior. It means you help them make better decisions so they have a different outcome. That's what God does with us. He says, if you, I'm quoting scripture now, if you obey my voice, hearken unto my voice and obey my commands, all these blessings will come upon you. That's good, isn't it? And then the next verse says, but, I mean, no, that's a big old but right there. But if you do not listen to my voice and obey my commands, all these curses will come upon you. Everybody say it with me. There are, what, what, are, what is there that comes after behavior and decisions? There are consequences, right? So, son, if you don't stay right here beside me in this store, when I do find you, <laughs> I'm going to spank you. Well, that's mean. You just need to give your kids some freedom. Let me tell you what's mean and more painful. Is letting your kid get abducted by some weirdo pervert, rape and murder them, and throw their body in the Mobile Bay. So well, that's extreme. Well, if there are more weirdos out there now than ever. So... You protect your kids. You train them in love because you love them and you want to protect them because there is a mean devil out there. 
and he doesn't like any of us. So we train our kids to listen to our voice because if you train your kids to obey your voice, they'll have a lot easier time obeying the voice of the Holy Spirit one day. Like God, he says, I set before you life and death. And in the Bible, it says, choose life. I can see God doing it this way. I set before you life and death. <laughs> so we can, we can be a source of great blessing to our, our children. And, okay. Somebody told me recently, I'm just surprised at how some of the kids at church act. And, and I said, mm, well, I'm not because I know some of their parents. Well, they're just, they just disrespectful and rebel against the teacher in their class. And it's like, well, yeah, they, they, they do that to their serve team coaches too. They don't show up on time. They disregard protocol. They... Can I just keep meddling just a little bit? Um, so why would we expect our kids to cooperate with authority if parents don't cooperate with authority? Amen. Why would we expect our kids to behave at school if you don't behave at your job? Because you just reaping what you're sowing. You Moms, of course your kids talk back to you because you talk back to your husband. You don't respect and honor him. Amen. Of course, your wife's mouthy with you because you hadn't submitted and done the last thing God told you to do, husband. Amen. <laughs> but the good news is it's easy to fix and change. Thank God. Thank God. So we are the image bearers, the doorkeepers, the reality equippers of our families. So train your kids in love. Many, what looks like if you, and listen, the Bible says folly is in the heart of every child, but the rod of correction drives it far from him. So all kids need discipline, but if you discipline them now, they won't have run-ins with the law later. They won't have um, problems at work because of their boss and all, all these different things. But it starts at home. Like, well, you think, well, it's too late for me. My kids are already, already grown. Well, that's when we become prayer warriors. We repent. We break that off of our life. We break it off of their life, and it opens up the heavens over your kids and grandkids for the Holy Spirit to do a new work because he's merciful. He's just looking for a reason to get involved, looking for an excuse to get involved in your life and in their life. So I'm not here preaching doom and gloom today. I want to inspire you to be, I mean, God, how many believe God's good? I mean, in, in fact, he's better than that. I mean, we don't even realize how good he is. But let's be like that to our kids. I want my kids to say, yeah, you know what? My dad, he had rules. And he was tough on me. But man, that guy, he loves me. He is so good to me. I bless my kids every chance I get. And that's how God is with us. So I'm not talking about being mean. That doesn't do any good. That's the opposite effect. So the reality is if you speed, you get a ticket. If you don't buckle up, you go through the windshield. Um, studies have shown that over several thousand families, parents that smoke, their children have a 50% greater chance of having premarital sex and engaging in other delinquent activity. Fathers that did not wear their seat belts, their kids had a 30% greater chance of participating in sexual promiscuity and delinquent 
behavior. So risky, when we model risky behavior to our kids, they're going to uh, emulate that. So if you write a hot check, they charge you 25 bucks extra that you didn't have. Consequences. Are you listening? There's just something about letting your kid touch that hot stove and they never want to do it again. Now, I'm not, we're not, as parents, we don't commission them to do it. And, I mean, and you don't grab their hand and say, hey, that's called child abuse, and you go to jail for that. But you tell your kids, honey, that's hot. Don't touch that. It'll burn you, right? But most kids eventually do what? You got, you're over here. You're working on something. Your back's turned. You wouldn't allow If you saw them, you knew you'd stop them. But you, know, you hear them, ah, and they scream. But then from then on, they get near it. They go, hot, hot. <laughs> Right? They, they learn. But we as parents cannot follow our kids through life, helping them avoid the hot stoves of life, so we equip them for reality while they're under our jurisdiction. Because we love them. Right? Amen. So, everybody say, I'm the reality equipper. Here's number five. And finally, we are the destiny discoverers. That's one of our values at our church. We want to help people discover their destiny. In other words, we help, we're the, help them know God's will for their life. We model hearing the voice of God in prayer and through Bible reading. We model that to our kids. So uh, his will and your will, by the way, are two different things. You might have a plan for your child's life, but how many know God has a plan? How many know your way is not near as good as Yahweh? way? So we want to train up a child, Proverbs 22, verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old or mature, he will not depart from it. So the way he should go um, doesn't necessarily mean the way that you think he ought to go, because we're all, we all, God has a plan for each of us. So we're not trying to live vicariously through our kids. We want to help them to discover the plan that God has for their life because it's a unique calling that he has for them. I'll give you an example of the college grad. He got out of medical school, and he had, went to a psychiatrist because he was, he was going crazy. And finally, they discovered the problem was, he said, every man in my family, my uncles and my brothers and my dad and my grandfather are all dentists. And I just got out of dental school, and I hate having my hands in people's mouths. <laughs> So thank goodness he, I mean, didn't live a life of misery and went and did something else. But, but there was a plan for him. And just because that's what dad did doesn't mean that's what Junior's going to do. So help them find the plan of God for their life. I don't know if remember the movie, but remember there was this movie like in the 80s or 90s. And this boy, I think he was in Britain, but he wanted to be a ballet dancer. He was all boy, but he's had a passion for dancing, and his parents, they supported him, and they helped him. That was, that was, they were like blue-collar working people, and they weren't ballet people, but fine art. this guy wanted to dance, and he became you know, world-class. So God's purpose for your child's life is not the only thing that they can... God's, God's purpose for your child's life is the only thing that they can truly succeed and truly be happy at. So help them discover their destiny. Right? Jeremiah 29, 11, God said, I know the plans I have for you. So just like God has a plan for you, God has a plan for your kids and for your grandkids. And let me just tell you, let me assure you, it's a good plan. Plans to prosper them. Read it with me. Plans to prosper thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end, to give you a hope and a future. God has a hope and a future for your kids and for your grandkids and for you, by the way. There's a God-given plan for you. So... 
dedicate your kids to the Lord, and then let them go. If you've been controlling them, pray, be led, teach them to be led by the Spirit of God, and then let them go be led. Are they going to do it perfectly? No. <laughs> but we're stewards of our, of our children. So, now, in conclusion, there's two kinds of family. There's blood family and there's spiritual family. You know, sometimes there's people in your spiritual family that you're closer to than in your blood family, right? Because those are God connections. It's really cool when you got both. But my point being is that here in this room, like they say in the youth ministry back there in Verge, we family. And family's better when we live life together. And that's why I want to encourage you to take your next step. And in the fall, we have a new kind of small group that a lot of our leadership has already gone through, a lot of our coaches and staff. And it's called a freedom small group. Life, L-I-F-E, living in freedom every day. If you, we want to encourage you in September when we start our small groups, go through a freedom group. They're amazing. They culminate at the end after 13 weeks in a, in a one-day Kairos retreat that we have in this very room. And freedom comes in layers. And so because we're all uniquely screwed up in our own special way, we all have hurts from our past and, and pain of rejection and, and relations, relational damage and different things because we live in this fallen world, the Holy Spirit is the great counselor, and he will help you become whole and help you be free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So I encourage you, if you've never gone through a freedom small group, that is probably your next step. And it'll help you to stop some of these negative cycles that have been proliferated in your family, maybe for generations. And you can start a new wake for your family. So as I close, I want to remind you of, I wish I had time to preach a whole message on Joseph and how when he was a teenager, he had a dream and then you see him 100, when he's 110 years old, he's got his grandkids on his knees blessing him. He's still dreaming. And to the third and fourth generation. And so families carry legacies. If you're counting on your unsaved business partner to carry on your legacy, you're going to be sorely disappointed. But legacy is carried on through family and empowered through family. So perhaps life's beat you up a little bit. Hey, welcome to the club. Welcome to the planet, right? But just like Joseph did, you can still become what God has called you to be. Joseph went through a tough time. But he still became the patriarch of his family who left a godly legacy for his family. Let me just say this before we shift gears to the end of our service. A great God created you for a great destiny. And our good God created a good destiny for you. So whether you're, you think, well, I'm not even a parent. Well, you probably will be one day. <clears throat> or you have parents. This, the God is the ultimate father. He's the ultimate parent. And he has a great plan for you. And he wants to help you discover that plan. So here's what I want to do today. I want to pray for families. Family is a strong value around here. One of our core values says, join the fun, join the family. We want to, you know, somebody said, 
the word funds and the word dysfunctional. So, uh, you know, it works out. Join the fun. Join the family. Every time someone joins God's family, there's a big old celebration up in heaven. And that's what we talk about. We want to celebrate. When heaven celebrates, we want to celebrate. We want to give people the, we want to make it hard to go to hell for Mobile, Alabama. And so today, I want to pray for families today, whether your family is strained or estranged or just doing fine. Uh, we just believe that family is God's idea and he wants to bless yours. So would you let me pray for you today? Bow your heads, close your eyes. Those of you that are watching us on Facebook Live or from our website as well. Father, we come before your throne of grace and, <clears throat> you know, for us to change our life, we have to say to you, Lord, something like this, God, I repent for decisions that I've made that were not of you. Or I repent for self-navigating, trying to figure out where to go and what to do. Lord, from this day forward, we purpose to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not to our own understanding. Because we believe you have a dream for us and for our families. And we have faith that that dream is going to come to pass. We serve a big God. And that means that we're not going to trust in ourselves, but we're going to trust in you. We're not going to do things like everybody else does it. We're going to commit to your purpose and to your plan for our life and for our family. And so from this moment forward, we say we turn to you. If you're here today and you just say, man, my, my family, we're about to start school. I want to go into the school year on the right track, set up for a breakthrough. If that's you, if you're, just the, if you're the head of your house, I just want you to whisper this in your heart today. Just say, Lord, I turn my heart to you. As the head of my family, I turn my heart to you. And I yield and submit to you. And furthermore, if you're here today and you've never submitted, fully submitted to the Lordship of Jesus, you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to pray for you today. And I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you stand up or walk the aisle or anything like that. But while every head's bowed and every eye's closed, if you say, Pastor Kevin, please include me in the prayer of salvation you're about to pray. I want to submit to the Lordship of Jesus. Just raise your hand right now. Let me see who you are. I want to pray for you. God bless you. Awesome. I see your hand. Anybody else want to join these? Awesome. God bless you. See you as well. Anybody else? Come on now. Awesome. I don't mean you prayed some prayer one time and your life never changed, but you're ready to change. That means you're ready to obey your heavenly Father because there's good blessings for you. Let's all pray it together, Harvest Church, with those two or three that raised their hand. Let's all say it right now. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I repent of my sins. Forgive me. I believe in my heart. God raised Jesus from the dead after he died for my sins. And I say, Jesus, you are my Lord. From this day forward, I am yours, and you are mine. I'll serve you all the days of my life, or until you come again to take me home. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just welcome those two or three folks to the family of God today? Yeah, I love it. That's what it's all about.